some of the song services that we do. And that is that I'm going to uh, choose a, a topic and really try to illustrate that through the songs that we sing. Uh, the only thing that will really be different, the hardest one that it will be on will be the song leader, whoever that is, and tonight it's Kenny, because he'll be up and down like a yo-yo. But other than that, um, if you just keep your songbooks handy, we will, uh, you know, we'll sing songs throughout the lesson. And I hope we accomplish, as I said in the article this morning, two things. One, that as we sing these songs, and certainly as I'm talking about them and we're really focusing on a song at a time, It'll help all of us, myself included, to stay focused maybe on what we're singing, and which is something we're supposed to be doing as we worship God in song. And secondly, that, you know, it's just a little bit different change of pace. Um, hopefully it'll keep us moving and you'll gather, you'll, you'll gain something and gather something from the lesson tonight. So, to start with, I want you to think about the passage that Everton just read. You may want to turn back there if you're not open to it still. And I want to ask you a question. I'm thinking about it from this standpoint. Have you, especially those of you that are older, um, of any age really, but has there been a time in your life when you were really, really close to someone? Um, best friends, perhaps. You shared, and, and I think back to maybe some of us that are older, times in school or growing up. Or maybe when we lived in a different place, some of you are transient and uh, have moved in here, as I have, from uh, a great distance away. But you were very, very close to someone. You walked with them, as it were, day by day. Your lives interacted on a daily basis, and you've grown away from that. And do you ever think back on those people, um, you know, one or more of them, with kind of some sadness, Remember how close you, quote-unquote, used to be. And know that you were so close that even if you've been separated for years, you probably could run into each other and pick almost pick up where you left off. I mean, it, the familiarity would still be there, even if it's been separated by great distance and a lot of time. And yet, you don't have that any longer. Now, having said all of that, I want you to think, back over your life, and this may be true of some of you, it may not be true of some of you, were there situations where you were very close with someone and some perhaps trouble occurred between you? That might be your fault, might be that person's fault, might be nobody's fault uh, in particular. Maybe like a Paul and Barnabas situation. Both of you had a strong view and went your separate ways. But you no longer have with them what you once had. When I look at John 6, and I listen to Jesus as he addresses these people, they wanted something out of him. In some respects, it's what he wanted, and that is for them to serve him, honor him, follow him as king, but they wanted it for all the wrong reason. And Jesus is very clear as he teaches them, and I'm not going to go through John 6. We have, both of us, Wes and I, recently, or within the last year, and you know the story here. And as Everton read for us, when Jesus finished basically saying, this is who I am, this is what I stand for, this is what I'm all about, and it may not be unlike you and periods you've had in your life. You know, you took a stance. And uh, this is who you are. And because of that, people said, I'm not with you anymore. 
And from that time, many began to turn away. When we think like that, we know that Jesus is not at fault. And yet, we also know that not everyone who begins with Jesus, that is, as Wes was talking about this morning, begins a life in Christ and baptized, etc., not everyone continues with him. These disciples, you'll notice in the reading, these disciples did not stay with him. They went back, and they didn't follow him any longer. And Jesus reaches a point where he pleads with them, that is, the twelve, the closest ones to him. Will you go away to The Lord requires, I'll say it like that first of all, loyalty. We, as Wes was saying in the sermon this morning, talking about making a commitment. We make a commitment. And he requires that commitment to be fulfilled. He requires our loyalty. And yet, I think you see in this passage, more than a requirement, he wants it. We don't just have a relationship, a distant relationship with Jesus. We we shouldn't. Where he's a king and we're a servant. He's a commander and we're one of the army that follows, etc., etc. No, he's a friend. And as a friend, he wants that closeness with us. He wants that loyalty to him. I'll go back to the book of Ruth, and this is a passage that's often read at weddings. You remember that, uh, I know Hannah does, that powerful book of Ruth. Several years ago we had a number of lessons from the book. But if you remember in Ruth chapter 1, Ruth refuses to leave her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she expresses her loyalty to her. I want you to listen to the words here. Again, we often apply this to marriage, but I want to apply it to Christianity. You'll notice what she says. They lifted up their voices, Ruth 1, verse 14, and uh, they wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave, the King James says. She was joined to her. She, We would say today, she stuck with her. Ruth stuck with her. And she said, that is Naomi, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and to her gods. Return you after your sister-in-law. Ruth said, No. Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, Then she left speaking unto her. When someone is loyal to another, you're not stopping that. You're not not going to interfere with that. Ruth was loyal to her mother-in-law. She intended to be with her mother-in-law. She intended to be with her till death, and nothing was going to interfere with that. That's what you and I need. We need that mindset. We need to grow to have that mindset where Jesus becomes so important to us that there is nothing, nothing that is going to separate us from him. I could read the passage in Romans 8. I chose not to tonight. But the idea is there is nothing in this world. I'm convinced of that. I'm convicted of that. And I have come to a point within my heart of saying, I'll be with Jesus no matter what. Hebrews 10 and verse 22 says, Draw near unto him in full assurance of faith. 
So we ask the question tonight as we begin, who is the one who is really loyal to Jesus? You'll notice on your outline, I, said, I answered that. And the first answer that I gave, the one who's really loyal to Jesus is the one who will never forsake him. I'm going to sing a song here in just a moment. Kenny will lead us in number 303 if you want to go ahead and turn there. But it's the idea of pledging, of stating, of coming to have a conviction that I am not going to forsake Jesus. No matter what, I know circumstances will come, there will be situations in life, there will be things that will come along. I think younger people call them deal breakers and so forth. There will be those things that come. But I didn't make a deal with my Lord where I said to him, I'll be loyal to you, I'll be a friend to you, I'll stay with you if you give me everything that I want. I never made that. I came to Jesus and I pledged my life and my soul to Jesus and I allowed him to buy me mind, body, soul, and spirit. And I gave myself to him. And when I sing songs, and they're powerful, for me, number 303 is one of the most powerful songs. It's one of the hardest ones for me to sing. Um, and, and I don't mean because of musically or anything like that. It's just the words within it. I'll never forsake my Lord. That's hard. Because I know I have forsaken him. And I know that given the fact that I'm human, I probably will in the future. But if forsake means totally abandon, leave, be done with him, it's all over, that ain't going to happen. Because in my mind, every day I keep pledging again and again that I will never leave Christ no matter what. Burnett Hart said it like this, loyalty that will do anything, that will endure anything, that will make the whole being consecrate to him, is what Christ wants. Anything else is not worthy of it. That's a tough statement, but I agree with that. One of the lessons of John 6, if you're still back in that passage, or you're thinking back to it. One of the lessons of John 6 was that Jesus does not always give us what we want. And he doesn't always give us what we think we need. In fact, I think I could sit down right now, and if God said, Hey, Michael, what do you think you need? I'd give him a list. And in ways I have all my life. Some of those things I really needed, I thought I needed, and you know what? I did, because <laughs> he gave them to me. And other things that I thought I had to have and that I couldn't live without, he kept saying no, and eventually I realized it was not what was best for me, something else was. Now, Jesus doesn't always give us what we think we want or even what we think we need. And the challenge to the Christian is to remain loyal when we don't understand the why of whatever it is we have at the moment. Because you see, Romans 8.28, do I accept that? We quote it, we write it on pictures, hang them on the wall, the refrigerator. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to His purpose. But do we believe it? Do I look at every circumstance in life and do I challenge my faith with every circumstance that I confront? And do I say to myself, am I sure I still want to be a Christian? Am I sure I still believe in Jesus? Am I sure that I still think he's doing what's best for me or doing what I need? Or do I accept that everything that comes is best? He knows best. He can make it work out for good. He will do right by me. Philippians 2 and verse 13, having said in verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, 
He tells us in verse 13 that God works through us and in us, both to will and to do, but notice, of His good pleasure. What's pleasing to Him, not me. So am I a vessel to be taken by God and used in a positive sense? My life being everything God sees that it can be and everything God wants it to be and the best then that it can be. Or am I always demanding of Jesus either give me what I want like these people, give me the bread or I'm out of here. We're going to sing this song, number 303. Let's think very carefully about our pledge to Jesus and whether we will forsake him or not. Kenny, if you'll lead us in number 303. a small victory on earth. No, he had a great victory. 
He got man barred from the Garden of Eden and he convinced man to open his eyes to all the possibility of sins that there were out there. It was a bold effort and it worked. And you know, Satan hasn't changed. Uh, He works on our mind. He comes to us at our most vulnerable times, at times when perhaps we least expect it, and with regard to things perhaps we least expect. And Satan is able to make a lie, tell us what God knows, tell us God doesn't care, tell us God doesn't want something that we think we really want, like he told Adam and Eve. Satan lies. And yet, I will never forsake my Lord. I don't know, as you go through your day, and probably if you do this out loud, people think you're a little crazy, you know. But I don't know, as you're going through the day and maybe things crop up, I have, you know, what amount to almost conversations. I pray, and then sometimes I turn to Satan when I get to thinking a certain way or whatever, and I say, no, no, not going to happen. I'm not leaving the Lord for you. I won't buy into this. It's a lie. You've been lying from the beginning, and you're lying now. Jesus knows what is best. I will never forsake my Lord. Who is the one that's really loyal to Jesus? The second thing I put on here, and this will be a very common song that we sing, number 595, if you want to turn there. It's the one who will stand up. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And you know, it's important. I mean... People we've witnessed, I think over the last several months, and maybe a few weeks especially, we've witnessed people who are willing to stand up for what they believe in. Now, to be sure, there have been some radical things that have happened, some things that I wish had not happened. But if there's one thing for sure, it is that people have been bold to stand up and speak out about what they think. That at least, and... Please understand the way I'm saying it. That, at least, is a good thing. There's something for Christians to learn in that. Because I think the natural tendency, and I might be wrong, this may not be true of every one of you, but it seems to me that the natural tendency of Christians is to kind of lay back a little bit. I won't say shrink back or be a coward, because I don't think it's always that. But to lay back, to hold back. And maybe when there is a challenge to not... Stand up for your faith. Maybe as quickly as some other groups or people or whatever would stand up for what they believe. Now I'm not saying here, and I don't mean by this, that I think that you're wrong if you don't go out there and you know beat a drum every day and carry a banner or wear a t-shirt or whatever in the world it might be and cause a ruckus in the streets. I don't think the Lord is telling us to do that either. But I am saying that we have challenges to our faith, and there are times when we are challenged to express to others, if not by words, certainly by actions, that we are Christians. And someone is really saying, they're issuing a challenge, are you going to stand up for what you believe, or are you not? And when they challenge us on our faith, we need to do, as we sing in this song, stand up for Jesus. You know, when Jesus said, will you go away also? That was a viable question because apparently the multitudes, remember there were 5,000 men plus women and children, and he got down to 12 people. So it was a legitimate question. But when Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Those 12 were standing up. And if you're picturing that scene, 
You might picture it as I do, you might not, but I picture them on the beach there, and I picture all those droves of people going away, you know, shaking their heads. Man, this guy's crazy. What was that all about? Did you hear what he said in that sermon? Eat his flesh, drink his blood. What is all that? And I see them perhaps looking back and seeing people, remember, they're in an area, they know Peter and Andrew and James and John and some of these guys. And I picture them looking back at them and saying, you guys are staying with him. you still going to stay with him? Will you go away also? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the one that has the answers to the questions. Where else do we go? And I, I wonder, at times, especially crisis times, crucial times in your life, when you're at that crossroads, you're either going to be a Christian or not be a Christian. Maybe it doesn't make all the sense in the world right now what's happening. You don't understand it. You don't know why it's happening. You don't know what's going on. You don't know the answers to the questions of the prophets. And maybe you look up at heaven and you say, God, I need an answer and I need it now. And it's not coming. At least I don't see it. There's no clarity there. And then it comes down to the basics. Do you believe in him or do you not believe in it? Will you stand up for him? Will you not? Maybe someone is either going to, even going to say to you, like they were saying perhaps here, you're going to stay with him? What's he doing for you? What are you getting out of this? Who can believe this? Who can believe in this? There's nowhere else to go. And so Peter was saying and, and echoing, I think, what at least 11 of them felt. There is nowhere else to go but Jesus. And that's when you stand up. That's when you say, I stand for Jesus no matter what. Kenny is going to lead us in the song, number 595. And I want us to think about our commitment to stand up for Jesus no matter what.
the one who's really loyal to Jesus. The one who will be a friend to Jesus. A long time ago when I was just starting out preaching and thinking about all kinds of things, words, etc., etc., that we use, I started thinking about the word friend. And it kept ringing in my head, uh, you know, Shakespeare. I, I was reading a lot of Shakespeare back during that time. But friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. And then they killed him. You know? <laughs> but the idea of the word friend, maybe how the world uses friend and how the Bible uses friend are two totally different things. You know, Proverbs 17 and verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times. And that doesn't necessarily mean because the context surely shows us that a friend doesn't necessarily approve of everything you do, but he still loves you. That you can count on a friend to be there. If a person is really a friend, even when you make the worst mistake you'll ever make in life, they'll be there. A friend loves at all times. And yet we sing songs about Jesus being our friend. And in this song number 312, and you might want to turn there, we'll sing that in just a moment. I'll be a friend to Jesus. And this song pictures Jesus going through some of those worst times that he went through, some of those things he suffered, and how he was all alone. No one really loved him at those, you know, at that time and at those moments or in those moments. One of the worst sufferings I think you can ever go through is what's expressed in verse 1. And that's when you're accused and maybe falsely accused, as he was, of something. And nobody stands up for you. Maybe you've had that situation on a job or in the family or whatever it might be, but maybe you've felt at least some little degree of that. To be accused of something, and it's wrong. And no one supports you. No one stands up. Everybody's afraid to side with you. Or in verse 2, how he says that, how this song expresses the fact that you really can't convince other people. You can't get them to believe in this one you believe in. And you know... I can't make anyone be faithful to Jesus. I can persuade and talk and try to convince and all of that. And in the end, the only person that I can make be faithful and loyal to Jesus is me. But I can do that. And my Lord can have a friend if I am a friend to Him. I love that about this song. In verse 3, proving your friendship. Not that loose way we use the term where everybody's a friend, you know, whether you even know them or not, but my friends and, you know, as politicians will use the word. Friend in the original language in the Bible, it means to love. It means a lover in the purest sense. It's a person who gives their love to another one. No greater love has anyone than this, than a man lay down his life. Remember? For his friends. He loved us. He was a friend to us. He proved his friendship from the halls of Pilate all the way to the cross. And now it's, it's on me. Prove my friendship. Be a real friend to Jesus. Jesus will always love us. I need to love him, which is what being a friend is all about. We're going to sing two songs back to back. Number 312, and then Kenny will also lead us in number 440.
times in our life, hard times, and I'm talking about especially when we have a victory of faith. When we stay true, we stay faithful, we believe, we pray. Perhaps we're struggling, and so we say to, to God things like, I believe in you. I trust you. I'm hurting. I want the hurting to stop. I want the situation to go away, but I believe in you. You're in control. You have the power. We go through those things. And we say to ourselves, what this song, this beautiful song we just sang, My Jesus, if I ever loved you, I love you now. And I wonder if, after a series of those victories, we make it through life and we're faithful. And one day, we're standing in judgment, or we go to heaven, and I wonder if we'll say to ourselves, Man, Jesus, if I ever love you, I love you now. And if it will bring up memories of times back here when it wasn't so easy to say that. We had to struggle and pray and work through. But we did love it. And we were loyal to it. How much will it mean to know we love Him? And now, in the greatest of times that can ever be imaginable, we love Him. Who is really loyal to Jesus? It's the one who will take hold of God's unchanging hand. We're going to sing this song in just a moment, and I'm just going to recall, not really go back to it, because last week, Wes and I both ended up talking about some of the elements in Hebrews 13. You know, the Jesus pledged to us, I'll never forsake you, I'll never leave you, I'll always be by your side, you can always know that. And how Wes really emphasized verse 8, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. And how truly... We know that, as one of the comments was made, Jesus, or several of them, really, were made. That Jesus doesn't change. That's one of the harder things to accept. He's unbending. He doesn't change to or adapt to meet where we are in our thinking, our feelings, or whatever. He just straight, true. And we have to be true to Him. This song that we're going to sing... Hold to God's unchanging hand. It will be our invitation song. But I'd like for you to turn to it, and let's go over it for just a moment. This, as I said, we'll conclude the sermon, and this will be our invitation song. But let's look at the, a couple of verses, or three of the four verses anyway within it. Look with me at verse 1. Time is filled with swift transition. Naught or nothing of earth unmoved can stand. Think about that. In a brief moment, as far as eternity is concerned, this is all going to be over. And nothing can stand the hand of God. Build your hopes, what you expect, on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Look at verse 2. Trust in Him who will not leave you. Now, that's what Hebrews 13 promises. What Jesus promises. I will not leave you. Trust in Him who will not leave you. Whatsoever years may bring. Those of you that are younger, older people used to tell me this, you have no idea what's coming. I mean, you, you, you look ahead in life, you plan it down to the last detail. And I was one of those people, you know, at age so-and-so I'm going to do this, and such-and-such going to do that, you know. You don't have any idea. You, you just don't have a clue what life is going to bring. 
And those of us that are older men, if we've lived any length of time, we know that's true. And we're just kind of bewildered sometimes. What's coming next, you know? And yet this song really expresses that. He won't leave us no matter what comes. If by earthly friends forsaken, it happens. No doubt many of us can recall people who have forsaken us. Demas forsook Paul. I have had friends. Perhaps you have as well. They're no longer with us. They're no longer, maybe they were Christians once and they're not now. If by earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to him cling. And that's what we have to do. Not run away from Jesus because someone on earth buys into something else, but run to him. And then the last verse especially. When your journey is completed. Remember a moment ago I was thinking about that. My Jesus, if I ever loved you, do I love you now? When your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, loyal, fair and bright the home in glory, your enraptured soul will be. I think that's what it comes down to. I look at that situation in John 6, and Jesus wasn't saying, you think about this for a moment. Jesus had just preached a very difficult lesson, and he wasn't saying, do you get it? They don't. Do you get it? I don't know if the disciples got it any more than those people. I doubt they did. And he wasn't saying, do you understand the deepest things there are to understand? He wasn't asking them that, or demanding that. Nor was he saying... Are you perfect? They're not. No. He was saying, do you believe in me? Will you go away from me also, or are you going to stay with me? Sometimes I think that going to heaven really comes down to that. Who is the one who is really loyal to Jesus? Well, the one who just won't leave. And if you won't leave, you get it in the end. You're everything, and it is everything you need to be. We're going to stand and sing this song. If you believe in Jesus, if you're willing to confess your belief in Him, that you know He's the Son of God, give your commitment to Him to be loyal to Him for the rest of your life. And if tonight you will be baptized, to have all your sins washed away, as Wes talked about this morning, then we beg you to come. Always stand and say.